Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. On the line with us is my old buddy John Fugelsang, the actor, comedian, radio host. Tell me everything on Sirius XM Progress Channel 127, the channel where I'm talking right now. He's on from 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. JohnFugelsang.com is his website, or SexyLiberal.com in this context, and also his Twitter handle, John Fugelsang, or at SiriusXM Progress. And John, welcome back to the show. It's, it's great to have you with us. Uh, first of all, just real quickly, tell us about the, the Sexy Liberal Tour and what y'all are doing. Tom, it's so good to see you. Hello and greetings to everyone uh, and all your wonderful listeners and viewers. So Stephanie Miller, 10 years ago, we started this crazy idea. We thought there's so many folks out there who are afraid to have their Obama bumper stickers on their car when they go to their job or their church. Why don't we do a political comedy show and take it to the red states and the blue states alike? And the sexy liberal tour was born. We've done shows now for 10 years. We've had everybody from Lily Tomlin to, to God, Rob Reiner, Nancy Pelosi have joined us on stage. It's been shut down for a couple of years due to COVID. And now this weekend, we are returning to where the tour first began, the Barrymore Theater in Madison, Wisconsin, for our first show uh, of the pandemic. It's going to be myself and Stephanie, uh, Hal Sparks, and the comedy duo of Frangela. It is uh, 8 p.m. this Saturday night, and I am so excited, Tom, to finally return to live performing after a year and a half of doing my Sirius XM show from the TV room in my apartment every night. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, sexyliberal.com is where you can uh, you get all the information on it. And people can either, if they're in Madison, Wisconsin, they can show up in the theater, presumably, right? Or they can, yes. uh, they can participate online? They can. You have to be vaccinated to come. That's a requirement. Uh, that's going to really upset all of the anti-vax fans of Stephanie Miller. But, uh, Both of yeah, them, you, you mean? Have to be <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're not vaccinated and you hate vaccinations, but you love progressive politics and comedy, you can watch the show streaming. We're actually going to do live stand-up stream pay-per-view at meathook.live. That's M-E-E-T, meathook.live uh, slash survivors. Uh, not meathook.com. Apparently, that takes you to an all male leather erotic site. Please don't go there <laughs> until after you've been to meathook.live. <laughs> live. Okay, yeah. got it. So, John, I, you and I uh, are, I, I think, two of the very few progressives in the media who are outspoken about saying, um, you know, we believe in something out there. You know, it's uh, I call myself a Christian, although I'm guessing probably most churches wouldn't want me um, because of uh, because, I, I, you know, I think my beliefs are a little larger than that. Um, and 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 and, and I, I can't speak for you, but um, it, it seems to me like, you know, there's this 
you know, is God dead or does it just seem that way because the Republican Party has basically repudiated every single one of Jesus's teachings, you know, from the Sermon on the Mount stuff. I mean, you know, simple, yeah. uh, seminal stuff like when you pray, go, you know, don't pray in, in, in public, uh, you know, for public acclamation uh, or acclaim. Instead, go in your closet and close the door and pray, you know, and, and all these Republicans are like, we have to have prayer in schools. And I want to, you know, and, uh, to things like in Matthew 25, you know, the, the, the disciples came to him and said, how do we, right, how do we get into heaven? And it's the only, literally the only place, to the best of my knowledge, in the New Testament where Jesus says specifically, here's how you get into heaven. And he says, you know, feed the poor, feed the hungry, heal the sick, you know, clothe the naked, or the modern version of that would be house the homeless. And, and then, and, 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 and the disciple. And be and he, kind I, to people in prison. Be kind to people in correct. prison. That's correct. That's correct. And, and, and the disciples. Forget, um, and the disciples freaked out. They said to him, we've never seen you thirsty or hungry. And he says, as you do to the least of these among you, you've done unto me. Why? You know, the Republican Party spits on this stuff. Oh, yeah, of course they do. Now, you're exactly right. And by the way, it's very important. When you talk about Matthew 25, Jesus says he will gather the individuals and the nations. That's very important because our average right-wing Christian, you bring up to the fact that, you know, Donald Trump and Jesus don't go hand in hand. I mean, anyone who supports both Trump and Jesus is someone who has not read either of their books. <laughs> the only thing Donald Trump has in common with Jesus, Tom, uh, they both hung out with prostitutes and they both used ghostwriters. That's it. So, you know, our right-wing Christians, and I, like you, I believe in thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible. I think it's disgraceful that the Democrats have surrendered God to God's unauthorized mean fan clubs. Um, but they'll say, well, uh, uh, you know, Jesus says to take care of the poor. We have to say government should make me blah, blah, blah. Government shouldn't pick my pocket. I Listen, Jesus didn't have democracy. We do. And whether you believe in the Bible as absolute literal fact or metaphor, whether you think Jesus was the divine son of God or uh, the original hippie or just a first century mystic or the original innocent brown skinned man executed by the state, um, he consistently stands for the marginalized. Trump Christians consistently disparage and crap on the marginalized, whether it's war refugees, the Christian refugees at our southern border they call illegals, trans kids who want to use a bathroom they feel comfortable in, trans soldiers who want to serve a country that seems to despise them, the least of my people. So you, you, you can't follow Trump and Jesus. And I think, Tom, any church that wouldn't take you ain't a church, and they certainly wouldn't take a peaceful, radical, nonviolent revolutionary who hung out with lepers and hookers and crooks, who never spoke English, was not an American citizen. Jesus was anti-capitalism, anti-wealth, completely anti-public prayer, as you mentioned, never anti-gay, never mentioned abortion. Criminalizing abortion has now become what Christianity is. Jesus never justified torture or asked a leper for a copay, and he was a long-haired, brown-skinned, that's in Revelation, brown-skinned, unarmed, community organizing, anti-slut shaming, homeless, Middle Eastern Jew. That's the guy we're talking about. I would love to see the Democrats. And again, you don't need to believe in the Bible as literal fact to call out the hypocrites on this. One of the things I love that you do is that you actually quote the scripture. I do this almost every night, Mr. Hardman, with my listeners on SiriusXM. I'll say, please cite one teaching of Christ that Donald Trump and the modern GOP have ever fought for legislatively. Just one. Well, if you want to know how biblically illiterate some of these Bible thumpers are, Tom, I recommend this question. It all goes to uh, abortion. And the Bible is not against abortion. This is the greatest racket they've ever done. They have gotten followers of Jesus to vote against everything Jesus ever talked about by talking about abortion, which Jesus never talked about. God says life begins with first breath in Genesis. God asserts that a woman's life has more value than a fetus's in uh, Exodus. Uh, God gives abortion tips for unfaithful wives in Book of Numbers. And let's just say, if you think God really cares about kids, uh, let me tell some Gentiles about Passover. So for me, it's about thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible, because Christ was an extremely liberal guy, and that's why these folks would rather worship him as a god, because that's a lot easier to do than follow his inconveniently liberal teachings. That's, a, it's, that's brilliant, John. I had completely forgotten about Passover. That's where God killed the firstborn child of all the, all the Egyptian families. I mean, it, that's, can, I mean that's even more radical it. than abortion. <laughs> God is technically the least pro-life character in the book. He commands the Israelites to kill tons of, I mean, ripping children from, from their mothers. 
Look, yeah. I'm not saying Jesus is pro-abortion. I'm saying the racket, the reason why the Republican Party can keep winning elections, and let's not forget, they've lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential contests, but they've done it by convincing people that criminalizing abortion, which is what they're fighting for, right? They're never going to end mm -hmm. abortion. Abortion will always go on, just illegal, unsafe abortions. But that criminalizing abortion is more important than everything Christ actually talked about. I mean, these Christians have never read the Gospels. Amen. Jesus is not their savior. Trump is their savior. Jesus is their prop. And with no hatred in my heart, I'm about calling them out for it, because I'm tired of seeing the religion of my mom and dad being prostituted for a cult of meanness that props up this bloated reality show racist clown. Amen. And your, your uh, question, uh, you know, please name one piece of legislation, essentially, that the Republicans have pushed that would comport with Jesus's um, yeah. uh, teachings. Uh, is a very is brilliant, and I, for 18 years on this program, I've been running a contest, and nobody has won this yet. Please name one piece of legislation that was written by a Republican legislator, that was passed through Congress with a majority Republican votes, that was signed into law by a Republican president, whose principal beneficiary is the working class of the middle class of America. That's it. Name you one it, piece of legislation yeah. that, that meets that criteria. In 18 years, nobody has won that contest. They the, the, the last point I'd like to make, John, because we're going to hit a break here in about a minute, two, maybe two minutes thereabouts, um, is morality. What makes me crazy are these people, uh, typically on the right, um, uh, but you know, who are trying to justify their weird notions of religion, who say, uh, without religion, there is no morality. People don't know how to behave without the Ten Commandments. That's why we have to put them on our schools. That's why we have to. Because, yeah. be, and and you can you can look at any indigenous community in the world that never heard of any religion, any organized religion, and they know that you don't beat your children. They know that you don't you know uh, uh, you know rape people or steal from. Uh, you know, it's, uh, let me throw throw that right, to you. Tom, I mean, but you notice they always want to put the Ten Commandments on the courthouse walls, right? Never right. the Beatitudes. Yeah. Never, there never the words of Christ. They want to do the Ten Commandments. Eight of those ten are completely legal in this country. Only two of those commandments are illegal. And Donald Trump has violated all ten. But in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what scares them. Jesus overturns the death penalty in the Beatitudes. He, literally, like you tell people that the Bible's not against abortion, but Christ is against killing a sinner whoa, they will hate you as only a Trump Christian can. And I ask the same question. I always ask my listeners, name one thing since Nixon and the earned income tax credit that the GOP has done where they have put non-millionaires ahead of millionaires. And I never get an answer. I just get a lot of uh, profanity thrown back by the, the faithful. Yeah, great minds think alike here, uh, <laughs> apparently. So uh, just I, we got 40 seconds to wrap this up. We're talking with John Fugelsang, the actor, comedian, radio host, and the sexy liberal tour is coming up. You just give us a quick plug for it one more time. Yeah, John. if you're in, if you're if you're in the, the Midwest, come down to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, the Barrymore Theater this weekend. Go to sexyliberal.com. If you want to watch it Saturday night from the comfort of your own computer, just go to meathook.live. That's M-E-E-T-H-O-O-K.live. Uh, slash survivors, and you can find it or go to my social media or Stephanie Miller's. And Tom, all I'm going to say is that Puerto Rico and D.C. were states, nobody would care what Mansion and Cinema think about anything. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and, uh, and by the way, well, I don't know if that could be filibustered because there's, there's, I believe there's a constitutional requirement. But in any case, yes, John, I'm with you. Democracy has been filibustered. There you go. Um, thank you for giving me so much inspiration. Thank you. Yeah, great talking to you. John Fugel, the great John Fugel saying, thank you so much for being with us, John, and good luck on the thank Sexy you. Liberal Tour. Tom Harbin here with you, and that was fascinating with John. I mean, you know, we could, uh, we could also get into a conversation about what does religion actually say about politics or what does politics actually say about religion? But first, I've got a crazy alert for you. This, in the hierarchy of crazy alerts, this is the top of the pyramid. Matthew Chapman writing over at Raw Story, the headline, End Times Radio Host. What he's talking about with that is this is a guy who has... Uh, talked about the Jewish cabal as plotting, was, this was when Trump was in office, was plotting to overthrow Trump, and the vaccine was going to wipe out a lot of stupid people, right? 
End Times radio host said COVID vaccines implant an egg that hatches into a synthetic parasite in your body. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Rick Wiles, this right-wing uh, watch flagged this. He, he does this show called End Times Talk, Religion and Politics. <laughs> like John and I were just doing, but this is BS religion. He says, this is a global coup d'etat by the most evil cabal of people on the planet in the history of mankind. And if it's not stopped in the very near future, they will win. That's what's at stake, control of the world. They're putting eggs in people's bodies. If you didn't see yesterday on, he names a news thing, you need to watch it. It's an egg that hatches into a synthetic parasite and grows inside your body. This is like a sci-fi nightmare and it's happening in front of us. No, it is a sci-fi nightmare and it's not happening anywhere except on screen or in your fervid and fetid imagination, Rick Wiles. Once again, this is the guy who says that a Jewish cabal was plotting to overthrow Donald Trump, which is, you know, the, the main sales pitch from Viktor Orban, the, 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 the strongman dictator of Hungary, who claims that George Soros is trying to disrupt their politics. Then now we've got uh, Jim Baker. Remember Jim Baker back in the day? Jim and Tammy Faye? It's actually a documentary about Tammy Faye. Louise and I watched a little bit of it, and then it was like, we lived through that. I'm not sure I want to live through it again. <laughs> but Jim, yeah, Tammy Faye has passed away. And, uh, but Jim is still out there hustling. He's still a grifter all the way. And now he's selling a solution of liquid silver as a COVID-19 cure. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyhow, Right Wing Watch is uh, tweeting about all this over at the Right Wing Watch is the Twitter handle if you want to check it out. It's, it's very funny. Uh, it's actually, I think, very sad, very troubling. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Maybe more apropos of the moment, would Jesus end the filibuster? <laughs> Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Roger in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Roger, what's on your mind? Just wanted to say that John Fugel sang is bloody brilliant. He is. Love him. He absolutely I'm, is. Yeah, he's just such an educated person. I always learn from him and always such a humorous individual, obviously. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say um, my number one choice is completely abolishing the Jim Crow filibuster. And Mine my too. number two choice is the talking filibuster. And that's what I've been pushing. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with you on that, too. I wrote an op-ed back in, I think it was in February of this year, maybe March, uh, called It's Time to Bring Back the Jimmy Stewart Filibuster, although it never was. It was just in a movie. 
But yeah, we should do that. And and I, you know, I, I guarantee you, there's a hot discussion going on right now uh, in in Washington D.C. among the Democrats in the Senate about what they're going to do about this. Absolutely, make them work. Yeah, I'm with you. And 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 take away the shield that they keep hiding behind. And both parties, politicians, right across the board in the Senate, they hide behind this filibuster, saying, "Oh well." We couldn't get it done because we just couldn't get 60 votes. I'm sorry, you know. And no. They can remotely filibuster, too, which is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. Ted Cruz says to his aide, send an email to Chuck Schumer's aide saying, I object. And boom, you've got a filibuster. Now you've got to have 60 votes. What? This is crazy. I'm, I'm completely with you. Thank you, Roger. Thanks Thank for you. the call. Becky in uh, Cottonwood, Alabama says, you disagree with me, Becky. What's up? Yes, Tom. Um, no, I've been watching you for a long time, and I think you're wonderful and everything. I really do. But this, but this filibuster thing, what I'm afraid of is if we don't have the filibuster and they end up privatizing Medicare and Social Security and everything, I can't wait eight years before they put it back in. I won't, I'll be homeless, and I'm, I'm in remission for cancer and everything, and I just can't, I couldn't be able to afford that. Yeah, it's not going to happen, Becky. It's, uh, that would be a nuclear bomb. There's no way, there's absolutely no way that the Republicans would, would do that. They, I mean, they might try, but uh, it, it, the, the thing is, when, when, you know, it's like what Trump did to privatize and what Bush did to privatize Medicare. You know, 40% of Medicare is now privatized because of George W. Bush. He created this thing called Medicare Advantage, which is privatized. It's not even Medicare. It's just, it's just it makes people over 65 eligible to get private health insurance. And, and Medicare Advantage is a scam. And, and, and now you've got, you know, the Trump administration trying to expand this, allowing your doctor to shift you off Medicare into these so-called uh, privatized Medicare Advantage plans. Um, but that was all done basically under the dark of night. You know, there was no discussion about it. There was no debate about it. Um, if, if this thing came, if those kind of things came before the, the, the United States Senate, it would blow up in their faces. It would absolutely blow up in their faces. I'm, I'm, I, do not worry about that, Becky. Um, that's not what's going to happen. Thank you very much for the call. Jim in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Jim, what's up? Hey, Tom. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Um, mansion and cinema. Yeah. I think, um, like you, you said, you know, Republicans watch out what they wish for, like with Texas and the abortion laws, it's going to blow up in their face. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, um, use the same thing on mansion and cinema. First of all, Manchin, you know, saying, you know, he's he's protecting his own wallet, but he says he's protecting the coal miners. Well, twenty three thousand coal miners. Yeah, there's more there's West more Virginia. people who work for Arby's than there are coal miners in the United States. Right. But in West Virginia itself, twenty three thousand. Mm-hmm. OK, if you put a little something in the Build Back Better plan, let's say the twenty three thousand, you put in there a hundred thousand dollar educational grant for twenty three thousand coal miners. If they get displaced, if they get displaced because their industry dies, we have a $100,000 grant to retrain them into whatever industry they want to get into. That would be a $2.3 billion, a drop in the bucket of this whole. No, you're you're absolutely right. This is I I tweeted this on Monday. I said what the Democrats should do is is pull back the three and a half trillion dollar bill, add about two hundred billion dollars worth of goodies specific to Arizona and West Virginia. And then let uh, Manchin and Cinema. But you know, the really interesting thing here, Jim, in the context of the filibuster, is that the only reason, if you want to know what America would look like without the filibuster, that you're seeing it right now. Because the only reason that we're even talking about Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema is because the Democrats are able to pass this piece of legislation of Joe Biden's by reconciliation without a filibuster. So they can pass it with 50 votes. And all of a sudden, now you can see who in the Democratic Party is an obstructionist and who is not. And, and you know, it's, it was the same thing with the, with the Trump tax cuts, although there were no dissenters on the Republican side when they passed that by reconciliation. So we are seeing right now how politics would be going forward if we did away with the filibuster, what it would mean is that right now, with the Democrats controlling the majority in the Senate, you know, 51 out of out of 100 votes, out of 101 votes, um, the when a an individual Democrat tries to blow things up, they get called out. 
Whereas if this was not eligible for reconciliation, if it was going to require 60 votes, they'd just be sitting around saying, uh, you know, Manchin and Sinema would both be saying, oh, yeah, I'm totally in favor of this, but there's just no way we can get it past the Republicans. So, you know, big deal. And nobody would realize what kind of perfidy they're up to. So anyhow, Jim, thank you. Thank you very much for the call. Grant Never at Washington. Hey, Grant, what's on your mind? Uh, I think the most important issue of the day is our environment and our natural resources usage. That being said, uh, I think you'd probably be able to address it more eloquently than I about the loss of the female deities and the worship of uh, our environment as uh, Mother Earth and other religious groups that play in our politics. yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Grant. That's going on right now, the uh, absolute you know, shift to misogyny. Yeah, well, and this is this is what um, my now, uh, he's now passed on, but my old buddy uh, Leonard Schlein used to talk about, he, he wrote a book about it called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess, that with the advent of literacy, we had this shift to, uh, you know, left brain thinking, right hem, you know, the, the right half of the body controlled by the left half of the brain. Um, this very kind of masculine dominance, and that led to the destruction in the 1500s and the 1600s of Mary-based temples. Most of the Catholic temples back at that time, and, and for, the, for about a thousand years prior to that, were more often dedicated to Mary than to Jesus. And, and there were, you know, kind of variations of Christianity that were, that were very Mary-centric, particularly in Central and South America, um, later actually. Um, until those societies, and these were pre-literate societies also, until they became literate. And then once societies become literate, they shift into worshiping male deities and, and all hell breaks loose and the, and the world gets destroyed. I'm with you. We need to bring back Mother Earth and we need to bring back the, uh, the, 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 the deities, <laughs> the, the, the female deities. Uh, Grant, thank you for the call. Mary in Arlington, Texas, it says, you want to disagree with me about the Bible? Really? What's up? Yes, yes, dear, I want to disagree. Y'all just talked about part of the Bible, not the rest of the Bible. Jesus just spoke to Jews. He didn't speak to anybody else. He said he came to fulfill the prophecy and not to do the rest. We had Paul. Paul is the one that the Gentiles go to. We are the one. Yeah, Christianity is largely a Pauline religion rather than a Jesus religion. The Jesus church died out within 100 years of his death. And the Paul and Paul's church, which was basically reinventing Jesus as a Greek god, took over. Yes, because he is. Yeah. He is our savior. Yeah. That's all we have to do is believe. Yeah, and that when that word came That's from Ephesians. The Greek. Ephesians yeah. tells us all we do is believe. Not the rest of this that you know everything that Jesus said was good. But he meant that for Jews. Yeah. Not for the rest of us. Well, at the, at the time, I mean, you know, given the context. But the, like, it's, like we agree, the religion has been hijacked. Mary, thank you for the call. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, you want to talk about the filibuster? Oh, yeah. Hi, uh, Tom. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my big beef has always been the, the Senate itself, that they should get rid of it, but that's not going to happen for a century. <laughs> no. But uh, I, I think we need a parliament. Pass a rule. What's that? We need a parliament. Right. They should pass a, a rule saying that all bills must be voted upon within two weeks or 10 days or whatever the president's given to uh, that he has to sign. Otherwise, the bill is passed and that would supersede the filibuster. Or anything. Oh, that's interesting. So Congress and, would have to take a negative vote if they didn't want to pass something as opposed to having to take a positive vote to pass something. Right, right. And, uh, but the president has a pocket you know, veto. If, if something isn't, if he doesn't sign it within a certain period of time, and I was just reading this in the Constitution yesterday when I was reading my piece, but I, uh-huh. I, my recollection, it was 30 days, but I could be wrong, um, then it becomes but, law anyway. Yeah, I think it's 10. But um, a- anyway, that would be the only way to, uh, to, to, to get rid of the filibuster, just to supersede it with another uh, rule. Yeah. And, uh, that, 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 however, uh, would require a constitutional amendment bill. To, to say to that, a, to say uh, that a piece of legislation before the Senate 
becomes law if it's not voted on. That That is outside the realm of what the Constitution allows for. You would have to amend the Constitution to have that happen. That can't be a Senate rule? No. Um, no, Senate rules no. don't get to decide what is law and what isn't law. They get to decide the process yeah. through which law is made, but not what is law right. and what and, isn't law. But the, the Senate really should be renamed the House of States' Rights and uh, uh, Special Interests. Well, it's the, it's the place where legislation, right now, it's the place where legislation goes to die. It was intended to be the place where legislation goes to slow down and be more thoughtfully analyzed. And, you know, if we had a, if we had a talking filibuster or if we had no filibuster, we would accomplish that. But with this, you know, filibuster that uh, since 19, I think it was 74 is when they changed it, although mm -hmm. they really didn't start using it until, in a big way, until, uh, yeah. you know, around 2000. Uh -huh. Now all they have to do yeah. is just send an email, you know, or notify the speaker, the uh, House Majority, the Senate Majority Leader, that they object to something, right. and that's the right. end of that. Uh, you know, and that's just like screwed right. up. Bill, I got to run, but thank you. That, it's just, I, but uh, I, you know, I love the idea of having, you know, legislation in the Senate work the same way it does when legislation gets before the president. But the idea is that when it gets to the president, it has been through the House and it has been through the Senate, and they represent the people. The president, not so much. He's put there by the Electoral College. So I, I get that the rules are different. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Zeke in Portland. Hey, Zeke, what's on your mind today? Here's the situation on the filibuster, Tom, from my perspective. In 2018, we had two attempts by the fascists, one coming out of the office of a piece of Mormon feces named Mike Lee, senator from Utah, which would have outright privatized all 640 million acres of public land in this country. The other out of the office of a piece of Christian fundy feces named Bruce Westerman from the great state of Arkansas, He's a member of the House that would have destroyed the Endangered Species Act, the National Environmental Policy Act, and the National Forest Management Act of 1976, the three pieces of legislation that people like my friend Susan Jane Brown use to save what little remains of native forest in my state of Oregon, where we are down to 4% of what stood when Lewis and Clark came through in the first decade of the 19th century. Okay, the only thing that stopped this from happening was the filibuster. Not true. And if you take it down, yes, it is, Tom. No, it's, it's not. absolutely true. Zeke, yes, here's, here's how it would play out, just like what you're seeing right now with Mansion and Cinema. When the Republicans start proposing genuinely radical legislation like that, you are going to have a few Republican senators, all it takes is one in, in a 50-50 Senate, who are going to say, no. No, I'm not going to go that far. Just like Kirsten Sinema is saying, I'm not going to tax rich people. I'm sorry. They, they pay for my campaigns. They pay for my lifestyle. I'm not going to tax them. You're going to find people who are going to say no. What, the reason why you don't know that is because the senators who would have said no haven't had to say a word because they're hiding behind the filibuster. I'm sorry, Tom. I disagree. Yeah, you well, know, the filibuster. The filibuster. If you say goodbye to the filibuster, I'm all for carve-outs. And if we can get the Freedom to Vote Act passed, okay, we and preserve the republic, preserve democracy in this country, we will soon own both the Article One and Article Two branches of government. I History agree. is on our side. I agree. And we we can then we can then do the big things that the lefties and I'm a lefty want to do without breaking the filibuster you are absolutely i'm sorry you know you <laughs> zeke I, either it, what it comes down to is this either we believe in democracy or we don't democracy is majority rules well i don't think the majority of the people in this country want to country want to see their public lands taken down then if republicans the start trying the to do that they'll take them out they'll vote them up i'm telling you these people you know kirsten cinema uh, there's no way she's going to get reelected now because, you know, she has shown who she is. Joe Manchin's in trouble because he has shown who he is. The, the, that was forced by the fact that there is no filibuster with reconciliation. The same thing will happen on the right. If Republicans try to do extreme things, privatize, it's all the stuff that the Democrats are trying, you know, the, the Democratic leadership that likes the filibuster because they can hide behind it too. If, if Republicans start trying to, oh, we're going to privatize all the public lands or, oh, we're going to end Medicare, 
The minute they try that, you're going to have a Lisa Murkowski, you're going to have a Susan Collins, you're going to have, you know, some modern version of one of the old, you know, Western Republican senators who believe in public lands, and they're out there. You'll have Mitt Romney, maybe even Mike Lee, for God's sake, standing up and saying, no, you know, I'm not going to go along with this. They will become their own filibuster. Zeke, history proves this. John in Highland Park, Illinois. Hey, John, what's up? I was thinking that it would be a good idea, instead of having a 10-year bill, to have a two-year bill so that the Democrats can run on it again uh, in the next, in the 2022 and 2024 elections, if it's working out well. Yeah, that's the conversation Ro Khanna and I had on the air a couple of weeks ago where, where you know, I, I was saying, okay, they want to cut it from three and a half trillion to one and a half trillion, fine, cut it from 10 years to five years and then just let the Republicans, uh, you know, give the Democrats something to run on and, get, and, and let the Republicans try to run against it once people have yeah. experienced how good that it was is. Good. That was good, but I think two years, I think every two years, it's a build together, yeah. build together. Well, that's, that's, that's what the Constitution requires for the authorization for the Pentagon. Every two years, it has to be reauthorized or it expires. So, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Does the Pentagon get, get 500, 500 billion or more every two years or every year? No, the, the, the there, was, there was this huge uh, debate uh, in the, in the, at the Constitutional Convention about whether there should be a standing army during time of peace. And the argument that was made was that every time, and these guys were students of history, particularly European history, Every time a European government had been overthrown in their lifetimes or in the history that they read, it came out of the military. These are called military coups, where the army would rise up and overthrow the leader of the, of the government. And so they were, they were thinking, we, need, we don't want that to happen here in this brand new country that we're creating, so we're not going to have a military. But then the question becomes, how do you defend the country in the case of it's invaded? And each state had their own militias at that point because each state under the Articles of Confederation were independent nations and the Articles of Confederation were essentially a, a giant free trade agreement. And so every state had a militia. And what they said was, let's just have the federal government call up the militias. And that's what it says in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, that the federal government has the power to call up the state militias. But, and, but then there was this other group that said, but wait a minute, you've got to have an army. I mean, you can't just rely on the state militias. What if something terrible happens? And by the way, this got played out in the, in the War of 1812 when the British and, and the Canadians invaded us. And, and so the, 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 the compromise that they worked out, and again, this is in Article 2, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, was that, okay, you can have an army, but every two years, you have to make the conscious decision in both the House and the Senate, and it has to be signed by the president, to continue that army for another two years. And so in the Constitution, in Article 1, Section 8, Congress can appropriate money for roads, for bridges, for welfare of people, for all, just a million things, except the army. That is literally the only thing that is time limited in the entire Constitution, and you can only fund the Army for two years. Now, it doesn't apply to the Navy, by, by the way, interestingly enough, because everybody agreed we need to have a Navy, and they don't represent a threat to overthrowing the government. But it does apply to the Army. And that's why the, uh, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the funding for the Army, has to be renewed every two years. That's why it's called a must-pass piece of legislation. So, uh, you know, there is precedent, John, for what you're talking about. There is you know, 75 for every two years. There, there, there you year. go. There you go. John, thanks a lot for the call. Tom Hartman here with you and Scott Munster, Indiana. It says here you disagree with me, so you go first. What's up? Well, the reality is that pendulum is going to swing when it comes to that filibuster. And you hit the nail on the head on, the, on your previous segment. They were going to get rid of the ACA. I personally use the ACA. I can't have that happen, and, and nor can millions and millions of Americans. You know, McConnell, the day that Harry Reid got rid of the – on the federal judges below the, the Supreme Court of the filibuster, McConnell flat out said, you will live to regret this. And what has happened over the past four years? We have lived to regret that. Yes, everything you said is a thousand percent right. It's born out of racism. It's evil. It's wrong. 
but it's what we live in today. And the ramifications of when that pendulum swings is too great. Scott, respectfully, you're thinking too small. You're thinking, you're, you're thinking of one narrow circumstance, which is, oh, gee, the Republicans are going to do away with the ACA, without thinking about what would be on the other side of that teeter-totter, which is that the Democrats would radically expand the Affordable Care Act. They would, they would add a public option, at the very least. Ideally, they could do Medicare for all. I mean, there, there are literally 300 major pieces of legislation sitting in the Senate right now that would be passed if there was no filibuster. The Republicans wouldn't be able to stop it. They would be running around like chickens. So yeah, we might, un and in fact, the, the Affordable Care Act had to be done through reconciliation because of the, because of the filibuster. If it hadn't had, had to be done through reconciliation, if it could have been passed through regular order, it could have been a much better piece of legislation. Right now, all over America, because the typical ACA co-pays are around $5,000 a year. As a result of that, all over America, you've got people who are going bankrupt, even though they're fully insured by the Affordable Care Act. I mean, things could be so much better without the filibuster. Let the Republicans push back against that. And again, as I say, okay, you know, you're on the Affordable Care Act. The Republicans take it away. You'll figure out a way to get a health insurance. But all hell will be, you know, coming down on the Republicans, at least for the things of, of the Affordable Care Act that people like. Yeah, that, that's just one example, though. And, and therein lies the, the, the risk of that pendulum. And I'm giving you 300 opposite examples of the pieces of legislation that are stalled right now in the Senate. That yeah, all yeah, passed but, the but House then, of Representatives. Then, Labor protections. I beg your pardon? When that pendulum swings, what are they going to do? Well, first of They're all, I'm not so worried about the pendulum swinging, as I said. If, it, if, if the Republicans regain control, and there's a chance they will, um, then you know, let, them, let them do their worst. What they will be doing is revealing themselves to America just like Texas did. You know, for 40 years, 50 years now. We've been saying, oh, yeah, the Republicans talk about, you know, ending a woman's right to have an abortion. But they can't do it because of the Supreme Court or they can't do it because of the filibuster. And so the Republicans have been able to campaign on it without ever actually doing it because they knew if they did it, you know, the wrath of God or at least the wrath of women would come down on them. And it's going to hurt. And it's already hurting them terribly in Texas. Let them do their best. The Republican agenda is not a popular agenda. Number one. And number two, the demographic changes in this country mean that this is really the Republican, the next, the next five, five years at the most, the next 10 years, are the Republicans' last shot at holding power in the United States. This is their last chance. Tom, I mean, I, I've been listening to you since 2008 when Obama on WCPT, you said the exact same thing, the Republicans got five years at most. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, just because I, I, mean, I miscalled that, A, I don't recall saying that, but B, you know, <laughs> let's, let's assume that that's true. Um, those demographic changes are now here. Texas became a majority minority state in 2004 based on births. Next year, or two, uh, yeah, next year, well, in, 2000, in 2024, Texas becomes a majority minority state based on voters. And it's been gerrymandered to obliterate. Exactly. <laughs> and you want to end gerrymandering? Pass the For the People Act, which had 50 votes in the Senate and was gerrymandered and was uh, uh, filibustered. I mean, on the we could have we could have stopped Texas from doing that. We could have stopped them at the federal level if we just blown up the filibuster for the For the People Act. I, I, but, but, you know, gerrymandering has worked both ways because it's helping Illinois out, too. I mean, we're getting rid of at least one Republican congressman. Yeah, probably. Adam Kinzinger, <laughs> the only decent Republican. Yeah, that, no, I, you I, know, I, I get what you're saying, Scott. But, you know, way, but. Yeah, but I, you know, I just I respectfully disagree. And I want to get some other callers in here. So let me let me move along. But thank you, Scott, for the for the call and, 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 the, and, the, and the discussion, a, a thoughtful discussion. I, I appreciate that when people disagree with me and can remain thoughtful. Jim in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today? Hey, commenting on that, not to take you off the next topic, but the brainwashing is so deep and in so many different avenues of it. My brother Ron, who grew up in my household, who was a liberal most of his life and cared about people, now believes that 300,000 kids have been kidnapped by the, the Democrats or those that are in high power. And uh, they've been, you know, molested and killed and drained. He's, he's into this now. And I, I said, you're not even using logic, because if there are 300,000 kids gone, either they were born out of a Petri dish, 
or they have parents. And if they have parents, one or two, you think they're not going to uproar? You think yeah. they're not going to make a scene in the public? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is uh, you know this this is a modern day reinvention of what was called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. It actually goes back to like the 11th century. This thing it's called blood libel, um, but you know, and, and and it was used during the Crusades. It was well, not during the Crusades. It was dur used during the Spanish Inquisition. Excuse me, which I think was the 13th century. I could be wrong. But um, uh, actually, probably it was later than that. It was probably like the 15th or 16th century. Um, but in any case, what, what was alleged was that Jews were taking the blood of Christian children and mixing it with flour to make their matzo balls and, uh, or matzo bread. And, uh, you know, and therefore, we've got to kill the Jews. And then hit, and then, and then in, in 1918, I think, or 1910, or whatever the year was, the secret police of the Tsar, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia, the secret police uh, literally fabricated this thing, this, this pamphlet called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, in which uh, the Jewish cabal uh, uh, argue, says that they are uh, giving instructions for how to do this, basically, you know, to, to drink the blood of Christian children. Well, the, the version of it now that QAnon believes is that there is a chemical produced when you are tortured. It's a, an adrenaline analog. You know, the adrenal glands give you the fight or flight response, thus the torture. And it's called adrenochrome. And this is based on a throwaway line in a Hunter S. Thompson novel called Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, in which he, he makes this, this, you know, him and his, his uh, fat Samoan, <laughs> that's his descriptor, uh, lawyer, are getting high in a hotel room in Vegas, and they're going to try some some adrenochrome taken from children. And yeah, I saw so, that movie. <laughs> yeah, so QAnon has now said this is a real thing, and you know that the, you know Democrats are kidnapping children and then torturing them to get their adrenochrome levels up, and then draining their blood out so that they can extract the adrenochrome, and then they're using the adrenochrome to get high. Uh, I mean, there's just at every step in that descriptor there is. An absurdity, right? Even the very last one, the Democrats want to get high with adrenochrome, and and uh, but it's this is just the old anti-Semitic trope of uh, you know Jewish people going after Christian children. In this case, you know when they say Hollywood liberals, they're typically talking about Jews. Just like when they talk about New York bankers, they're typically talking about Jews. Whenever they talk about George Soros, it's code for Jews. Um, so you know it's really sad, Jim, and I don't have anything to you know, instantly help you with your brother, but that's that's the rabbit no. hole he's fallen down. You may want to look on YouTube for my long, my I did a deep dive with um, with a guest a week or so ago about QAnon. He wrote a book about it. He's a real expert. It's really worth checking out. And he lays all this stuff out in detail. You might want to share that with your brother. And welcome back. Max in Clackamas, Oregon. Hey, Max, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, I got a lot on my mind, mostly the filibuster. I mean, it's just so ridiculous that this beyond unrepresentative minority of, well, white people, old white guys in the United States Senate can just hold this country hostage. Yep. Um, I am a little curious, though, why I have not felt that there's been enough pressure put on people like people on your show, Mark Pocan, Ro Khanna, the progressive wing of the, uh, of the House, uh, for force the vote. Um, I, I know that What do you mean by force the vote? I mean, force the vote, like what you said earlier in regards to Texas and the abortion case. And in other words, let the Republicans be the goons, the the horrors that they are. Let them right. let them f around and find out, so to speak. Yeah. And then once they do conflagrate the emotions of the American people, people are going to freak out. I want the the squad in Congress and the progressives, the real progressives in Congress, um, in the House and the Senate, to flush these people out and to force a vote on Medicare for all. But then you get obstructionists, uh, people with the lack of visionary, who I, I will say, like Mark Pocan, for instance, who say, no, we can't do that because that would only yield, that would, that would uh, preclude then passage of Medicare for all in the future. Yeah. And that's, that's insane. I, I mean, what you just said sort of has, it's like, it's like you're trying to have it both ways. It's, not, it's not so much I Mark mean, Pocan, it is Nancy Pelosi. And what she, you know, the position that she has taken as Speaker of the House, and she's, and she's done this for decades. And and, squad, and by the way, the it's, this is Congress. a normal thing on both sides, yes. is to say, I'm not it, going it, to bring a vote to the floor until I know it will pass. 
Otherwise, if you bring a vote to the floor and it fails, then everybody in America says, oh, I guess we don't want that. And, that's the, and then it's dead. That's the end of it. That's the logic of this, Max. And, you know, I, I'm not uh, the Speaker of the House. I've never, you know, I've never been an elected member of the House of Representatives. I, I don't know, you know, what it's like. I've not been there. But these folks have been there for a long, long time. And what they're telling us too long. over and over again, I don't think so. What too they're long. telling us over and over again is when you lose a vote, you are perceived as a loser. And you don't want to lose a vote on an issue that is important to you. You want to work that issue and work that issue until you know that you can win the vote. Now, I get it that what you want to do, Max, let me finish my thought here. I get it that what you want to do is, is, is find out who are, you know, which Democrats are going to be opposed to things like Medicare for all. I get that. I can give you a list. I mean, right here in Oregon, Kurt Schrader, right down the road from me, uh, you know, a Democrat representing the, the, the territory just south of Portland is is opposed to medicare for all hell he voted against medicare even negotiating drug prices i mean it's not like it's a secret who these people are and and you know i and i get it that there's this kind of small movement to try to essentially humiliate them it won't work you should you'll, you'll be shooting yourself well, in the foot you've literally just suggested the same strategy as i understand it in regards to allowing texas to rescind roe v wade uh, Texas Republicans, a Texas Republican minority to rescind Roe v. Wade protections. I'm not saying allowing them. You can't stop them. They just did. Okay, well, we can't stop the Republicans. So, um, so we shouldn't be should, obstructing democracy. We shouldn't you be stopping is, Democrats when they can get the vote. But I guarantee no, you, no, Max, no. the Texas Republicans didn't do that until they knew they had the votes. Max, thanks for the call. I, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just respectfully disagree. But I, I totally understand it, and, you know, I'll leave it at that. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Alvin in Greeley, Colorado. Hey, Alvin, what's on your mind? I wanted to point out um, there's nothing to stop the Republicans from abolishing the filibuster if they get the majority. That's correct. And Mitch McConnell yeah, did that in 2017 with regard to Supreme Court judges, which everybody thought was like a bright red line. I'm guessing that the Democrats are huddling right now in the Senate. This groupthink is so strong that yeah. was just expressed by the discussion I just had with, I think it was Scott, with the last caller. But uh, they are, I guarantee you, discussing whether they should do like Harry Reid did in 2013 and Mitch McConnell did in 2017 by drilling a hole in the filibuster for federal judges, for cabinet members, and for uh, uh, Supreme Court judges, that they're going to be talking about drilling a hole in the filibuster for, for protecting voting rights. And, you know, at the very least, they absolutely should be doing that, at the very least. Alvin, thank you for the call. Lee in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Lee, what's on your mind today? The real reason that the leadership of the Democratic Party is not getting rid of the filibuster and passing the things that need to be passed. And, it's because and the Republican Party, too. They're both hiding behind it. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. The Republicans, that goes without saying. But um, but it's we don't hear enough of the fact that it's the leadership of the Democratic Party also that's in, included in that. And one of the things that really bothers me now, because Biden and Harris and all, I mean, they, they could be stopping this, but there was something started under um, – uh, Seema Verma, who was put in place by Trump mm-hmm. on C- uh, as head of CMS, uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and what's happening is they are turning, they're literally under our noses, right under our noses, turning Medicare, traditional Medicare, into a giant Medicare Advantage plan. They are installing parasites in it, um, the for-profit parasites. Um, through this thing they're calling direct contracting entities. Right. There was a story and, yesterday, I believe, in the Financial Times about how the, the Biden administration is reevaluating that right now. I hope so, because if they let this continue the way it's going now, but the, I, we just went to a webinar, a webinar yesterday on Zoom watching um, what they're planning to do. And they're planning to what, – what they're doing now is a pilot program for it. And in that pilot program, certain areas – um, the doctors can do this direct contracting and um, get lump sums instead of doing the fee-for-service thing. Right. And the people involved, the, the Medicare recipients, the traditional Medicare recipients, the beneficiaries, sometimes are not even – they don't even know it's happening. And they're suddenly being switched over into this thing where they have a limited you know, a network and this sort of thing. And no opting out. Right. And this is what they're planning to do to all of Medicare. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I, it's so weird because your doctor can literally say you're no longer on Medicare. You're now on Medicare Advantage through our buddies who spiffed There's us. nothing else you can do. And what they're saying is they're, they're saying it will be it will you will have an option, but it'll only be an option to go to a different Advantage plan. Uh, advantage plan, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'll call it an advantage plan. They don't call it that, but that's what it basically is. So they'll have several advantage plans that you can choose from, but each one of those you will have to stay within the limits of, of their network. Yeah, we are looking at the cancer stage of capitalism uh, being yep. played out in the context of Medicare right now. I've been saying for and, and, a decade we're in the and, cancer and when stage. You had your, when, you said, when you said, you know, that Schumer has these corporate interests, that's absolutely true. But, you know, so does Biden and so does Harris. That's the problem. All the ones at the top have the – they're so beholden to their corporate interests. And this is why Biden is not on board with Medicare for all and why he's so far still allowing this direct contracting entity thing to go forward. I really hope that when they do a review of this that they're, they're going to see how really bad it is and not allow it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Lee. It, it is. Uh, I mean, this is a remnant of the of the Trump administration. You know, uh, the Bush administration yep. started the privatization of Medicare in 2003 by creating Medicare Advantage, and now Trump is trying to turn it in the entire system, or and tried tried to turn the entire system into that. And I, I am hopeful that the Biden administration will put a stop to this. And people need to be reaching out to their to their federal elected officials. They're two they're two members of the Senate and they're member of the House of Representatives, and saying stop this privatization. Medicare. Lee, thank you. Janine in Fort Myers, Florida. Hey, Janine, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Gosh, you're just like a national treasure. I <laughs> so appreciate your show. Well, uh, you. I, I want to give you some verbal an- ammunition. Um, we think I think it should be called the killbuster because it kills bills and it kills democracy. Ah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I like you that. You want one more? Sure. Republicans don't do very well with long-range thinking. You know, as you, you've said, they're killing off their base by being anti-vaccine and anti-mask. But, you know, these anti-abortion laws, largely affecting poor black women, will lead to a population explosion of black births. Yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of pointed that out last week. I, I'm, I'm very wary of getting, of basically talking to white supremacists, <laughs> but, but you would think that the white supremacists in Texas would be saying, hey, wait a minute, let me get this straight. White women, by and large, you know, uh, this is why more than half of them voted for Trump, uh, can afford to fly from Texas to, you know, name your state and get an abortion. But black and Hispanic women, obviously not all are poor. There's a strong and, and substantial black and Hispanic middle class, actually. And there's, there's a, you know, a few very wealthy black and Hispanic people. But by and large, uh, the 
you know, the, the pockets of poverty that exist in Texas are, are more black and Hispanic than they are white. And so they're not going to get abortions. They're going to you know, carry their babies to term. And so you're going to end up with more black and, and brown people right. and fewer white people. And, uh, you know, hey, white racists in Texas, have you figured this out? Maybe your governor is selling you out. Maybe, maybe you, you know, you thought he was one of you. You thought he was a white racist, but here he is. I mean, you know, I, 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 like I said, like I said, Janine, I I was reluctant to go down that road. Um, In fact, my my wife, who's a a wise counselor and, and with Sean, the executive producer of this program, um, advised me against it. And I think she was right. But. But you have a point, um, I, and I, I just, it's, it's like amplifying the whole white supremacist thing to, 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 to go there too much, but yeah. And in addition, it's more unwanted children, more prisons being full, more social tragedy. work you know, necessary and support from greater society. It's really tragic. Yeah, that's, that's the real tragedy. And, and, and we saw this, um, uh, we saw this in the 80s and 90s. Uh, after right. abortion was decriminalized in 1973, the number of unwanted children, the number of uh, went down, the foundling homes essentially went out of business. Um, the uh, many of the childcare facilities that existed back in the 80s and 90s, and Louise and I started one in the 1980s in New Hampshire, no longer exist. And it's because uh, the, the the this large population of unwanted children that had come out of the ant, uh, you know of the of abortion being illegal up until 73 and really functionally illegal until 74 75 it just got you know took a couple of years to before it got easier to get an abortion um so that large population of unwanted children became the kids who you know either desperately needed social or mental health services or were in prison and crime has been going down steadily since the since the 1990s it's at the lowest levels ever you know uh, if you separate out the last year and a half or so because of covid and there's a there's a good argument to be made that that's why and that's going to reverse that trend is going to reverse itself but you know greg abbott will be long gone by then i mean that that trend will reverse itself in another 15 years so janine thank you thank you for the call mike in wycliffe ohio hey mike what's on your mind today ohio is one of the most ignorant states in the union, run by Republicans, of course. Yeah, it seems. Um, and and one of the most corrupt states in the union. Um, but getting back to 9-11, I saw a wonderful program last, last night on PBS Frontline. Mm-hmm. They, I would urge yourself and your listeners to watch it. It's about two hours long, but... Specifically, what it was, was from the very beginning, uh, when the Russians were leaving, and how it led up to January the 6th. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was just a, a startling program to watch. And, but you know what, Tom? I'm convinced, and, and I'll be 70 years old in a couple months, so I lived through the Vietnam era. No, we won't learn. Yeah. We never do. Well, and there's huge financial interests on the side of war. Of, of course. Uh, specifically, the, the US, as long as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other right-wing entities operate this country, and they do, it, it will be never-ending. And there's also and political interests. I mean, you know, the, the, the most famous kings of Europe were the ones who ran wars. Uh, some of our most famous presidents were the ones, you know, Lincoln, FDR, who ran wars. Um, war is something that, that uh, is rarely a bad bet for, for a president. And well, nobody's, nobody's even remembering George W. Bush lying us into two wars. You know, and and th- believe me, Tom, the program gets into that hmm. in depth. Oh, fascinating! And I, I, oh, it's just a tremendous program. But I, I'm not sure if it was Michael Moore that said, and I mean, this hits it right on the head with this country. Ignorance leads to fear, and fear leads to hate. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I got out of that program. Yeah, fear is almost always the basis of hate. Yeah, I'm and, with you. and I, I mean, it, it just, uh, 
it's so depressing, but I don't see I don't see how it would end because it seems to me and and you might have said it where George Bush was one at one of these international meetings and someone came up to him and and asked him what the United States makes and he said to them we make war. Hmm. I don't I don't recall that. But you know. uh I, it, it just so at any rate uh Tom if you get the time and it is, like I said it is 2 hours long mm-hmm. but it's just tremendous. It's on PBS you said. On PBS Frontline. Frontline. Oh, Frontline does great investigative reporting. Mike, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, you bet, Tom. Yep. And thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV there in uh, Ohio. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 